0: This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 97.3 The Fan.
1: here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. have been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego for 27 years, probably soon to be 28 years. And, uh, you know, we got some new equipment here, which we're going to be working with. I hope that sounds great. Uh, we got to do a little bit different things here in the office. Uh, Because we're in the office, not the studio. But uh, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis on a stock you own or are looking at buying, selling, or holding, call in at 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. And I'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Chase?
2: Good morning. I have to adjust my chair. Yeah, We've got
1: a chair's adjustment. we got new microphones, new headsets, new whole new system here. So.
2: Yeah, So I just realized my chair was a little bit too low, so I couldn't talk into the mic. That oh, well. all righty. But here we go.
1: All righty. So uh, we got a lot to talk about uh, today. We want to talk about, uh, we, we, we can't wait any longer because this JAWS report was a huge surpri- surprise. Uh, of coming out and everybody expected oh my gosh it's gonna have you know an 8.3 million decline in jobs the worst uh, unemployment of 19.5 percent since the great depression and oh my gosh that did not happen at all the opening of the economy across the nation except for california and new york has really surprised a lot of people
2: yeah, i was gonna say i don't think i've ever been so surprised and so happy To see a 13.3 percent unemployment (laughs) rate and it's you know it's still difficult but the thing that a lot of people forget was the stock market and the economy they do kind of move independently from one another at times so you know the stock market's always looking forward because they're not looking at saying oh well you know the 13 percent unemployment that's terrible it's looking well what is unemployment going to be down the road And the fact is there was so much negativity baked into this that they came in again, 13.3%. That is huge because last month was 14.7%. They thought May was going to be way worse than it was in April. And also, as you said, it was way ahead of the estimate of 19.5%. And uh, you talked about the job growth. There wasn't a decline. Everyone was expecting this huge
1: decline on payrolls to have growth was was pretty amazing yeah yeah and and, and I talked about and uh, that we'd have a summer boom and this is kind of what I expected would happen is that we'd start getting people back to work and, and that is actually happening and and bars and restaurants and this was a big hit but they increase their jobs by 1.4 million people are now coming back from the uh, bars restaurants still a lot more to, to come back. But still, we're starting to see that construction, 464,000 new jobs because construction is car- starting to come back. Education, health services, 424,000 jobs and even retail, which and, and, and I've not been to a, a Kohl's or anything like that yet here. But you said they're they're open and I don't mean open to pick up a curbside. I actually mean open to go into them. Is that that's correct? That's correct. I, I need to go there. I don't want to tell my fiance, but we can go shopping. I guess today is what we could do. Um, but, but that is something that is uh, amazing, that that's starting to happen and starting to bring these jobs back.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, it is just so important. You also, again, look across the country. And the the amazing thing about this report is it's from data collected in the middle of May. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was really states like Texas and Florida and Georgia that I believe are the ones that carried this unemployment report. Because you still have states like California and New York that are still shut down. And they have started to slowly reopen. So I think that means the jobs report, that's going to get better and better over the next couple of months. Of course, you're going to hit this point where I think you're going to have a slowdown in the pace of new jobs coming back. I mean, 2.5 million jobs created. That's the highest ever. But you right. also can't forget we lost 20 million jobs. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, that that is important to realize that we are coming back and we're going to have... Again, people talk about that V-shape recovery. We were big proponents of it in the beginning, kind of question it a little bit as the state stayed shut down longer than we anticipated, but you are seeing, you know, a quick rebound. If we see another great report next month, I think we could see that V-shape in the economy.
1: And, you know, it's funny. We had uh, Dan Crenshaw, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, came out to of our office uh, last week, and uh, like many people, he thought it was going to last a shutdown two, three weeks not two, three months. And that's really been a major factor of why the economy's been hurt so much. But also, too, this shows that it is going to rebound, I don't want to say very quickly, but it is coming back because people are going to say, oh, it's not going to come back. And again, don't want to get too happy about a 13.3% unemployment. But the point being, it didn't come in at 195 A reverse went down for the previous month. And I think we will see a progression going forward. Uh, and also, too, I do remember reading a, a long time ago, New York City, again, 9 million people in New York City, they can account for as much as 10% of the GDP. A lot of stuff goes on in New York City, and they're still closed. So the same thing, think about how many people are maybe still not working in New York City, New York, California, same things. And what is up with, a political here, what is up with Governor Newsom he hates nail salons. What <laughs> are the nail salons, I, mean, come I on. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, there, there
2: still are things that are shut down for sure, but as you said, as things start to reopen, I mean, you, you saw barber shops, now gyms will start yeah. to reopen here shortly. So it's, as you start to see these come back on, uh, of course, naturally, you're gonna have more jobs created because yeah. those people are no longer load, they're gonna have that job to come back to. So I think it's exciting news. I think the recovery's happening quicker than many people anticipated. And I think that's kind of why the stock market's acting the way it is.
1: Yeah, and I believe dentists are open now as well. And I think that's going to be a big boom as well because I think a lot of people probably now have cavities, have dental work that's been postponed and so forth. So I think that's going to be, I mean, you don't think about it, but almost everybody that I know of goes to the dentist.
2: You know, I, I said I couldn't wait to get my haircut. cut if I finally got that done. I can't wait to go back to the dentist. Call me crazy, but <laughs> yeah. gosh, I had an appointment booked in March. They had to push it back to April, and then, oh, sorry, yep, we're still closed. Had to push it back again now until June, so I'm waiting here patiently. Yep. But, you know, it's it's nice to have things coming back to, to somewhat normalcy here.
1: And also, by the way, the, the jobs gain uh, was the biggest gain since 1939, so that was a huge gain in May uh, that we actually saw there. And, and again, that's going from the – 8.3 million decline to a 2.5 million, you know, turnaround. I mean, that's just phenomenal numbers. I mean, that's a that's a delta of what 10 over 10 million. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it's amazing. Yeah. So, all right, uh, what is going on though? That that is crazy. Is the stock market is just going through some crazy times right now. Uh, it's important to remember that stocks can still do well, even during. Dimensionless times like we're in right now and a great example. of This was 1968 I got a, a great video that I'd recommend I got this. I probably got this video 10 years ago Maybe the history channel doesn't have any longer, but it was called 1968 and people think this is the worst time ever if you look back in history you, You'll imagine just talk to people but one thing great about humans is that we compartmentalize and put stuff back behind us. We kind of forget the bad stuff, remember the good stuff, but let's kind of refresh people's memory. In 1968, Martin Luther King and Robert F. Kennedy were assassinated. We had the Vietnam War. We had so many things going on that year, 1968.
2: Oh, yeah, and the the interesting thing is, I mean, this, this is crazy. You almost can't write this stuff. 1968 was an election year, like we right. have now as well. You also had the H3N2 Hong Kong flu, which killed nearly a 100,000 Americans and millions globally. Now, wait, wait a
1: minute. minute. <laughs> wait now, now, wait a minute. Wait, I thought this coronavirus was the first thing that ever happened. It's so terrible. But you're saying back in 1968, it was the same. Well, it's a different strain, I guess, is what they call it, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it is a different strain, but, you know, it's just a, a different type of virus. And it's just, it, it's, insane that the, the uh, amount of similarities we had of, of course you know martin luther king was assassinated as you said there's a lot going on with the civil rights movement mm-hmm. uh, the vietnam war was also an issue there was just so much stuff going on and you look at all this stuff and you'd say well gosh i bet you 1968 the stock market was absolutely horrendous right actually the market had a gain of 7.6 <laughs> percent in 1968. it was insane and and that's the, what i was talking about is Things always feel really bad while you're in it, but that's why the stock market and investing in good quality equity is so good is because these businesses get through these downturns just because you're going through a tough time doesn't mean that that business is gonna go out of business. In fact, right. you can get some great buying opportunities, which we had a couple of months ago.
1: Right, and we do have to be careful here, Chase, as well, because we don't have people say, oh yeah, it's good just go ahead and invest in the stock market, because we are, also have seen this major run up here Uh, in stocks, and and, and we're seeing something in our own portfolio that um, over the last, what, 60, 70 days or so, we're up an unbelievable amount. And what we're seeing now is that the the stock prices on on businesses have risen dramatically, but the Ford earnings have not, and that's causing a problem because now we're starting to see businesses being too expensive. Let's pick on the airlines. We sold an airline last week, and we hated to do it, but the airline is up more than double from the bottom, but the earnings have been cut. Drastically. Drastically. I, I mean, you,
2: you think about why. Yeah. I mean, it, there's no way. You're going to have these airlines that have to close down the middle seat. They're still cutting flights. Oil prices are rising again. Mm-hmm. It, it, it. They're going to have this, this slowdown in earnings, so it's going to take several years for them to get back to where they were in
1: terms of earnings. And, and you're not thinking about competition because now everybody wants to get market share. Well, okay, so we're going to decrease our prices. Well, they decrease theirs. So there's going to be a major fare war. And they're not only competing among themselves, but I think this is going to be the year as well that a lot of people say, I'm not going to go on the plane. I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to drive to Aunt Millie's house. You know, I mean, go visit the family and so forth. So, airline, you know, will increase their business but not to justify these high prices. I mean, is it American Airlines is up almost 100% from the bottom and I, I think uh, most of them are. Uh,
2: I'd say more than that. I mean, they, they were up at their peak. I knew they climbed about 40% in one day then 20% the next. Um, I mean, they've, they've just skyrocketed and really taken off here. Uh, no pun intended, but right. you know. <laughs> but the, the thing is, it, it just American scares the the heck out of me, just with the amount of debt they have, and you know the amount of debt that they've had to take on during this time frame, yeah. already on a weak balance sheet. As you said, the competition. I, I'd be very cautious, and I I still think there's good airlines out there, but they've they've become not nearly as attractive. I mean, they're yeah. down like I was looking at the one we held. It's down about twenty percent for the year yeah that that does not make much mm-hmm. sense for a business that's going to take several years to to get back to where they were right and,
1: and again we're looking at the earnings we're looking at not this year saying well of course this year is going to be bad we know that the airline is going to lose money this year but even in 2021 the earnings going forward did not even justify the prices trading at now and it's a very difficult time because again we feel good about we just talked about how great we feel about the the jobs report and so forth you feel good about things but you have to step back and look at saying wait a minute what are we paying for these businesses? And if it's too much, you've got to pull out. And, and I remember back in 2007, I'm not going to relate this to 2008, but in 2007, we had a lot of business became overpriced. And so we had to sell them. And my clients were complaining, like, why are you selling? Why are you selling? Like, they're too pricey. Well, it took over a year, but a year later, we had some great buys. We did phenomenally uh, after that. So we don't try to predict the market. Yes, we do have a crystal ball in our office. I, I think we do, the uh, Facebook Lives have... Uh, shall show the crystal ball, but we don't predict the market, but we look at reasonable valuations and saying the, we're buying businesses. Yeah. And I,
2: I mean, it, it's definitely a tough time. As you said, it, it's something that, that hasn't happened in gosh, about a decade, a little over that. And, you know, the thing is, you look at the different industries. I mean, it's hard to find things. And don't get me wrong. There's still, we believe, are some great opportunities Mm -hmm. that haven't recovered as much or that were beaten up so much and really unjustly. There still are opportunities. But, gosh, you look at tech. The NASDAQ is at an all-time record high. How in the world could you be at an all-time record high when you're going to be supplying technology these companies that have had to lay people off and you know it it, it just it doesn't make much sense there there's these areas in the market that, that I think are just completely out of whack completely overpriced and you know the thing is they might not even crash let's say they might right. not go down 30 40% shoot I just spilled my coffee everywhere oh, but <laughs> um, the thing is you could look you know 5 years down the road and these companies don't do Anything they could just be completely stagnant for for many many years as they just got too far ahead of themselves
1: And and that's and I'll promote our webinar in a little bit here, which is on Thursday, June 11th But this is why we 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 do what we do to really understand What you're investing into because if you get locked into the hype and the emotion and again We feel great about the the Jaws report. We feel great about good news coming out But you got to pull it back and there have been times in history where the economy is doing well and the market didn't why is that because the market got too pricey and right now the economy is starting to do better markets doing extremely well what could happen is that the market could either taper off or go down a little bit in, in the next year or so to come back up to where the economy is and so what will happen is that you've got to be very selective on what you're investing into, which is why we take our calls here, which we'll do in about uh, two three minutes here. Because I, I do want to talk about one other good thing going on is Las Vegas reopening. And and uh, I, I saw somebody saying, it, it looked pretty good. I guess they went. I said they looked pretty good, but it's just kind of funny to see the 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 uh, showgirls and stuff and face masks. <laughs> I guess that kind <laughs> that's kind of funny. Took away the sexiness of it.
0: You know, so. <laughs> but <yet>. uh, <laughs> it, it is reopening. It's showing some positive
1: signs in terms of uh, consumer demand. Uh, There's still a, a, a number of resorts that are closed, but according to the president and COO of the Las Vegas Convention and Visitor Authority, Steve Hill. The city's overall occupancy is surprisingly at 20. percent MGM saw so many reservations that had to uh, that it decided to open up the MGM Grand. I did see that Bellagio's open, New York, New York is open, so it's starting to open. And I know I talked to somebody on the phone that was actually in Vegas like a, a month or so ago. They go, "It is so strange. The Strip is like um, uh, uh, like a ghost town. There's actually tumbleweeds." going across the the uh, you know the, the main strip there so um i wouldn't mind going out to las vegas um No, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And and what I saw so far was the social distancing and and so forth. But again, another sign, and this will help, another positive, this will help the airlines a little bit because you're going to fly into Vegas.
2: Yeah, and I mean, kind of got a little bit ahead of where I want to talk about the airlines, but, you know, I did want to bring up that, you know, the reason that the airlines rallied so much, and and this is what concerns me. It's not necessarily based off of the the earnings or the, the sales of the company. It's crazy because American came out and announced that they will fly 55% of its domestic schedule in July. That's what got the airlines rallying. Yep. Let's think about that. They're flying half the amount of flights (laughs) they did. Interesting. But yet the stock price just soared on that news. Um, And as we said, the competition, I think, is just going to be very, very difficult for these airlines. But the the positive on the economy is again that shows that people do feel comfortable flying. They do want to go to Las Vegas. And again, doesn't mean that there's a hundred percent of the population that feels that way. Yep. But there is seems to be a larger amount of people than
1: originally anticipated. And I am seeing more and more people that they're Kind of over it, like yeah, I'm over wearing this stupid mask. I'm over this, you know, I mean, you know, and I think you'll see that wave. We've talked about this last week as well. We are going to see that wave of people start going and going. Nothing happens. People start going and going. Uh, I, I don't get political, but I, I we got to bring this up. Is, is the protesting all these people protesting? They're definitely not social distancing. So will we see a spike in COVID 19? I don't think so. I think
2: it could lead to a, a thing that shows. Oh, maybe we could have reopened. You, you know, there. I mean,
1: I, I don't know if you've seen the videos, but. Gosh, you
2: look at San Diego, there's one at North Park. I mean, you see it all over the country, and there are thousands of people. Hey, maybe we can bring back sporting events too.
1: If you can do it on the street, be all together like that, why can't you open the stadiums and enjoy things the way they used to be? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll we'll see.
2: I I think we just got to monitor these these hospitalizations and the cases closely. But, you know, I I, I think this could show that, hey, maybe we could open the economy faster than originally
1: anticipated. Yeah, and that, at the protest, I didn't do a counting or an actual number of it, but a lot of people uh, did, did not have masks on, which, again, is something different because, well, we'll see again, as Chase said, with the hospitalizations there. Uh, we do have the webinar coming up. But I said I would uh, promote that for you. It is going to be on Thursday, June 11th. Now, again, uh, we've talked about how things are pricey here and so forth. You want to understand what we're talking about. This webinar will explain a lot of things to you on how to be a smarter investor to really understand what you're investing into and get away from that hype. Uh, learn about our common sense, completely transparent approach to investing. What is a value investor and the benefits of value investing? We'll discuss that and how to invest uh, to build long term wealth. That's what it's about. Not about, oh yeah, I was right for the last two, three weeks. Yeah, how smart I am. No, it's really important that this is a marathon race, you've got to understand how to invest for the longer term because that is more important than being getting lucky once or twice and hitting something and, and it goes up and then you lose it <laughs> later on anyway. So we'll show you all that. Uh, again, it is a webinar Thursday, June 11th. It's available all day Go to our website, register at smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. All right. Well, let's go to the phones. Let's open the phone lines. You want to call in. You got a question about a company that you own. We call this companies, equities, stocks. Uh, give us a call here at the studio, 833 288 Again, that's 833 288 zero nine seven three let's go to the phones and let's now go out to coronado and speak with john good morning john you're on the smart Investor, brent chase how can we help you out
0: good morning guys i was just calling again on budweiser to see if you're able to find um find the information on uh ticker symbol bud
2: I think you might be able to tell, but we actually went to you this time, so we have it. I've never been so excited here, John. <laughs> we had we had all already,
1: right. already, right. started. <laughs> all right, this bud for you. Right, yeah. Yeah, there we go. All right, let's take a look. Uh, Anheuser Busch and Bev and V symbol is B U D P E ratio looking. Okay, 38.7 versus 208 for the industry. We do see price to sales 1.9, that is more expensive than the industry. No price to changeable book value, same as the industry and this company again with all the sales going on, I think they have probably a lot of goodwill on their balance sheet. But price to cash flow does look expensive as well, 11.6, the industry is only at 7. Now you do get a 2.5% dividend from Budweiser. Uh, they use 122% of their earnings to pay that out. So going through kind of a difficult time here, but that is something that, again, we don't like to see. We like to see more of a 60 to 70% payout at the max. Now, sales are down 2% year over year. That's worse than in the industry, down 0.9%. Earnings for Budweiser fell by 53%, but the industry was down 09 now I'm not seeing a current ratio or a debt to equity. Uh, when Chase is looking at the earnings going forward, I will try to look at the balance sheet to see if that's for true true or not, uh, because I'm also not seeing return on equity, which could mean they have no equity. Net profit margin, well that checks in at 7.8, that's well above the industry at one and no receivable or inventory turnover. So Chase, I'm gonna turn it over to you on the earnings going forward. I'm gonna look at the balance sheet here.
2: That sounds good. Uh, so looking at the current price here for Anheuser-Busch InBev, it is $57.74. I was shocked by this. I did not know they fell this much, but 52-week high, $104.61, and 52-week low, $32.75. I'm, I'm very curious why they have fallen so much. Uh, you know, I thought this would be a good time for them considering yeah. alcohol sales have done quite well. But as we look forward to December 2021, see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis $3.19 Unfortunately, that would give us a target sell price of just $51.68. Uh, the thing that I look at, too, is it's very strange. I mean, in 2018, their earnings were $3.44. Then they jumped up to $4.08. Now this year, it's expected to be $2.20. I'm curious how COVID's having an impact on them. As I said, I, I thought it would be a benefit not a detriment to the company. So unfortunately, John, uh, I know it's moved up quite a bit this week, but uh, it looks a little bit pricey now.
1: And you know one thing too, chase, I'm thinking I, I did both the balance sheet. but one thing I'm thinking as well is that uh, Budweiser used to be the American beer and it's it's no longer that. It's obviously not owned in America any longer. It's now in uh, Belgium, I think is where it is. So it's lost that appeal of being the American beer. I mean it, it, I think at one time they had an American flag on the, the can and so forth. So I'm just wondering if that's going of hurting the sales a little bit because it's not the American beer any longer. but I did I did look at the the balance sheet here and I did see that they do have their debt. Uh, while it is down it's still very high to 103 billion that's down from 106 billion uh, I didn't even look at their uh, tangible their intangible assets. Uh, I'm gonna do that real quick here Goodwill 128 billion dollars now their equity is only 75 billion dollars So you take away the debt you take away the intangible assets this company in my opinion is very risky because of the high intangibles and the amount of debt that they have and the low equity. Now they could have been buying back stock maybe, that could sometimes hurt your equity. But I just don't like this balance sheet. It is not a strong balance sheet at all.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, I know it's a, it's a unfortunate situation. I know my my uncle loves Budweiser, but mm-hmm. uh, you know he's the only one that I really know that that really likes it that much. You
1: know, <laughs> it's kind of weird. yeah. Now with all the the special beers and so forth, yeah. So
2: I used to be more of a Coors Light guy. Now I've don't judge me here, but I've switched over to those those seltzers are pretty tasty. <laughs> I know you like those seltzers, don't you? <laughs> so so
1: John, so I, I and I forgot if you hold it or you're looking at buying it. What do you stand on that?
0: Well, you know, I I had held it actually, and and probably purchased it years ago back in the '40s, and it ran up to a hundred, um, sold out of it, and then it had this uh, this precipitous fall, and was wondering if it was a good value play to get back into. But from what you're saying, it doesn't sound like it. Yeah, it didn't excite me very
1: much, and 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 there is a part of me inside that said I do like American companies, and I just. Uh, feel bad that they're no longer an American company. So I if and I think if the numbers were good, we might feel better about it. But the numbers aren't good. It's not an American company. It's just, um, you know. Yeah. My, well, my, what is American company? Uh, Corp. TAP. TAP. Yeah. Molson Coors. Molson Coors. Yeah. Maybe, maybe look at that one, John. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or Sam, right. I think. Sam. Yeah. yeah. There's another one. All right. Thanks for calling, John. You have a good one. I'm glad we finally got Budweiser for you. <laughs> I'm going to <shared> better news. <laughs> right. All righty. That does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Peggy. Peggy, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. I'm wondering if you still like General Motors, even though they don't have a dividend anymore. Well, we'll go over the numbers here for you. And, Peggy, I believe this is the first time you've called on the new station since we switched over. Am I correct on that?
2: Uh, No, I called one other time. You
1: did? Okay. Did I forget that, Chase?
2: Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm I'm catching up here.
1: Okay. Yeah, but, I, just, I just thought maybe you didn't find us till now is what my thought was. But I know it's on the billboards now. It's on the buses, and it's all over that. We're, we're now uh, at the 97.3. So. Uh, yeah, and right. I, I watch your webinars also. Oh, good, good, okay. Uh, okay, so do you hold General Motors? Looking, buying it.
2: I had I had 100 shares. I sold half of it when I quit the dividend. I'm wondering if I ought to sell the other half.
1: Ooh, okay, well, may have sold a little bit too early there, but uh, let's take a look at the numbers on General Motors, symbol GM. Uh, not a bad start. P.E. ratio, 9.4 versus 5.39. Price of sales, 0.3 versus 0.75. That is good. Price to book value 1.3, well below the industry at 3.3, and price to cash flow at 2.4, very good because the industry is at 7.4. Now, yes, they have no dividend now. Their sales year over year, and these are for the year ending uh, March uh, 2020. Here, uh, sales were down 7.4 percent, industry down 4.8. Earnings per share fell by 46.8 versus 93 uh, decline for the industry. The balance sheet uh, current ratio 1.1. About the same as an industry at 1.2. Debt to equity, 315 versus 264. But remember, they do a lot of financing of their cars. So you got to kind of dig through that to really get the true debt to equity. We see return to equity is 11.6, well above the industry at 0.5. Net profit margin checks in at 3.6 versus 0.14. And receivable turnover, 3.7 versus 3.1. And inventory turnover, 11.1 versus nine point six. Jace, what about the earnings?
2: Yeah, well, current price here for General Motors again, GM is thirty dollars sixty one cents. Fifty two week high forty one dollars and ninety cents and wow it's it's more than doubled off the fifty two week low of fourteen dollars and thirty three cents. Now look out to December 2021 I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, three dollars and eighty one cents. Give us a target sell price of $61.72. So I, I still like GM. I think there's still value in it. There's a couple of things that, that I, I believe are opportunities for them. Number one, you talk about the subways. Mm-hmm. I think less people will be using public transportation for a little bit, which means more people will be putting more miles on their cars. And, of course, there's going to be more people working from home from a little, for a little bit. But I think it will have a longer-term impact on the subways as people do return back to work, which should improve demand for these cars. So I I like that. The other thing I I do believe is you look at that dividend. I I don't believe they're going to terminate the dividend, Peggy. I I believe it's more of a suspension. There's a lot of companies that had to come out and suspend that dividend. I would not be surprised to see come 2021 many of these companies that had to take a pause on the dividend do resume it once business operations are back up and running.
1: Yeah, and also, too, there was a talk about people leaving the um, uh, cities and more of the suburbs for, for longer drives. Uh, also, don't forget about General Motors has that uh, cruise, that electric uh, uh, autonomous. autonomous driving. Uh, so, so I got a lot of good things going on. Uh, and also, too, I, it, it's probably about 40 feet away from me, the numbers on car sales from last week. And they, they were some phenomenal. They surpassed the estimate. They did very well. So people are stepping out buying cars. Uh, And, again, GM at $30.61. That is a big move, as you said, from the bottom. So um, I I think you may have sold out a little bit too early. Peggy, you you should have called us first, I think, before you sold. Uh, But I would not sell those other shares because I think there is more room to run for uh, General Motors. Yep. All righty? All right. Thanks so much. Okay, Peggy, thanks for calling. You have a good one. Bye-bye. All righty. That does open the phone line, 833-288. 0973 that's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three I'm so excited to talk about this because I've been kind of thinking about this as well we're gonna to go to San Diego and speak to Ed Ed you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase how can we help you
0: hey enjoy listening to your program you guys are very clear and um, use a lot of uh, rational good thinking to uh, long-term thinking to make your profits my question do you do you, uh, you and the father son do you guys talk about sectors I know I listened to your introduction my question is about Wells Fargo but I also want to know what your opinion right now it seems to be a rotation into the financial s- sector of the market so can you can you go over the fundamentals of WFC Wells Fargo and give any oversight overview of the uh, financial sector of the market
1: Well, let's kind of start off with the financial sector. And by the way, I'm so excited because I've been thinking about Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo has done some things lately, so I'm glad you called in about it because I can look at the numbers. But as far as the financial sectors go, we don't specifically look at them, but we do understand that there are going to be ones like finance, which, again, this is a good time to buy them. Not such a great time to be in technology because it's very expensive. So we don't specifically pull out sectors. We'll look for businesses or companies or stocks within that, uh, sector that yeah, it, it's kind of a beat up sector and
2: I, and I do believe that the reason you're seeing this this Transition to the financials here at is is just because I mean gosh They were beaten up so much and and the crazy thing is that the banks have never been stronger in our history I don't know no, if I can say history, but since 2008 <laughs> 2009, you know The banks have come a long way and they're in actually a very very strong place And I, I think I can say this is that the, the regulations and the testing that they had to do it's very clear now that we can see they're in a good place i think right. that's the clearest it's ever been and they were the ones that can actually help guide us through this as they're taking care of a lot of the loans and mortgages and so forth they have very strong balance sheets are in a great position i think a lot of people just sold off everything except technology during the pandemic and all of a sudden you're saying Wait a minute, I, uh, technology's held up kind of well, but banks, they got beaten up pretty bad. Let's take some money from technology and put that into the banks just because there is such a great value opportunity in them. I think that's why you're seeing that, that shift towards it.
1: That's so, Chase, I, and I think you are right that uh, I think banks are the strongest they've ever been in history because they did a lot uh, to get the strength of those banks. Uh, by shoring up their balance sheets and doing all these things we did back after uh, 2008, 2009. Uh, But the other thing, too, with banks that people don't realize, I did a segment segment on this on TV a while ago, that the spread on mortgages right now, because the 10-year Treasury dropped down to 0.6, the spread on a mortgage now went from 1.7 to 2.4%. Who gets that? Banks get that. So it's a big positive. So their spread is pretty good. They, they Again, we just talk about cars being sold, uh, credit cards and stuff. So, so banks, I think, are in better shape than people thought they were going to be. I think there's a lot going forward. So let's take a look specifically at Wells Fargo because this is one that I don't believe has moved as fast as some of the other ones. So maybe there's an opportunity here. Coming again is Wells Fargo & Company, uh, symbol WFC. Uh, PE ratio right now, 10.7. That is above the industry at 9.5. We do see price of sales, 1.5 versus 2 uh, price to book value, 0. 0.85 versus 1.2. And that means you're paying 85 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of Wells Fargo. And current uh, price to cash flow, that is 6.1, about one-third the industry at 18.3. Now, they've not had to cut their dividend. Their dividend right now is 6.8. They use 68% of their earnings paid it that out. That's pretty attractive. We do see sales are down 3.7% year over year. Industry up 2.8. Earnings per share fell by 38%. Industry was down 12.7. As a bank, they have different accounting, but their debt to equity looks pretty strong 180 versus 307. Return on equity 7.4, not quite as good as the industry at 9.9. Net profit margin 17.9 versus 21.3. Uh, Chase, tell us about the earnings going forward.
2: Oh, current price here for Wells Fargo, $31.67. And the 52-week high, $54.75. Now, uh, 52-week low, $22. You talked about a 6.8% dividend yield. Gosh, I know I could figure it out if I have the, the dividend numbers in front of me, but I'm curious, what was the yield when it hit its low of $22 oh a share? <laughs> I mean, gosh, I, I knew it was above 7%, but I, I didn't realize it was still 6.8% as a dividend yield. I mean, that's just phenomenal. Uh, also, if you pair that with the estimated earnings going out to December 2021 of $2.61, you actually get a target sell price of $42.28. So I, I like the perspective total return here for Wells Fargo. My issue still lies with how, their business practices. How right. have those changed and improved over the last couple of years? 2015, right, was when the, the scandal yeah, first kind of yeah. came about. I mean, it's been five years now, I, I think, people do tend to forget about things, mm-hmm. and it takes some time, it, we might be on the other side of that. Wells Fargo could be a good opportunity here.
1: Yeah, and also too, buying Wells Fargo, you, you're not looking at what's gonna happen tomorrow, you're looking down the road, you know, 12, 18, 24 months. Uh, and I think that they have improved their business practices, uh, they got rid of the CEO, they got rid of the CFO, they've really changed management a lot. Um, th- that's why I was kind of excited about it, because I knew it hadn't rallied as much as some of the other banks has. Uh, and I I think it's what about thirty some percent away from the target sell price is that yeah yeah thirty three percent thirty three percent so, 33%, 33%. Yeah. so I, I think there's some good potential here and let's not forget about that six point what eight percent dividend that's huge. And I'm going to
2: say that that's pretty safe. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I believe that is pretty safe. Uh, the other thing I would want to know here, Ed, is uh, their market share. How has the market share changed over the last several years? Uh, have they been gaining market share since they have hopefully been improving their business practices? I know that they got hurt a little bit. JP Morgan Chase, of course, did overtake them right. once the issues did
1: ensue. But but I, I think that I, I do kind of like this. I, I think there's some opportunities here. Yeah, I, I kind of like it as well. I mean, it's, it's one that maybe. Maybe, we'll, well, don't tell anybody, but maybe we'll look at that for a portfolio. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I noticed so. that we lost Ed, so hopefully that did help him there. Oh, we lost Ed?
1: There. Oh, okay. Oh, you know, I, th- I think somebody is calling him. Yeah, I, think I, heard, <laughs> I, say, I heard I'll be like, done in 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I think his wife's probably saying, come on, it's time for breakfast <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> yeah. So, Ed, I hope you caught the whole thing there. But, uh, yeah, we do like Wells Fargo. Good thing we did talk about this sector before we lost Ed there. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, that's why I've been thinking about in the back of my mind about Wells Fargo. And I just had not time to have, you know, had the time to go actually check it out. but as I suspected, I, it looks pretty good and that's a, a again, that's a nice dividend. Just that dividend alone, your money would double what in 10 years yeah. just with, with no growth in stock at all. That, mm-hmm. That's not a bad return. All right, phone numbers eight3 th- I was gonna say not to mention if they increase that dividend and double yeah. even faster. That's right. That's right. Uh, and no moving the stock. Yeah. Gosh, you know what? Let's quit the show. Let's <laughs> let's do the research now. Maybe we'll put this in our portfolio. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> All righty. Phone numbers eight three three-288-0973. That's eight three three two eight eight. Zero nine seven three. we got almost all phone lines calling uh, open so when you call in you, you'll be up but uh, next i got david oceanside but before I go, david i do want to talk about the webinar coming up on thursday june 11th you hear all these things we talk about where do we get this from we share it all with you during the webinar on how we do things what we do also, what to look out for that you know that is gonna lose your money. We did a great post this past week about how there's, a, uh, what do they call these Exchange-traded exchange notes. Exchange-traded notes, where people have lost millions on those. We talk about things like that, so you don't invest in something you think is good, and then it's too late you find out like all these people exchange traded notes where they lost gosh millions of dollars but anyways we'll, we'll learn about a common sense approach completely transparent we're going to show you everything we do and so forth what is value investing what, what is it we're going to show you the benefits benefits of it and what it is and how to invest to build long-term wealth it is this thursday june 11th is available all day but what you have to do you have to register at our website smart investing 2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com. And that is free, by the way. So, um, all righty. Phone number is 833-288-0973. 833-288-0973. Let's up to Oceanside and speak with David. David, you're on the Smart Invest Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you?
0: Hi, guys. Just a quick question on British Petroleum. It's been a long-term play for me. I'm considering stepping back in and acquiring some shares at these current levels. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on British Petroleum for a long term. All right. It is a
1: uh, – it is a – oh, shoot. I'm trying to pull it up here, Chase. A foreign – it's in the United Kingdom. Are you getting anything on that, Chase? Because I'm, I'm
2: – Yes. Uh, BP. or oh,
1: hey, symbol. Yeah, yeah but, but, it, but it's a – it's an ADR, so just yeah. the, the way the system works no, for yeah, us, no, David, yeah. so it, I'm, it's I'm a little different. Kind of changing things around a little bit here. And Reuters has that circle of death going on right now for me, I think. Did you, did you get it pulled up? Okay. Here it comes. Okay, here it comes. I got it. All right. All right. So coming again is a BP uh, PLC, I means a London based company. Uh, we do see no PE ratio, um, nothing for the industry. We also do see current price to sales 0.3, that's well below in industry at 1.2. We see price to book value 1.5 above the industry at one, and price to cash flow 5.8. That's above the industry at 2.8. So the valuation ratio is not looking that good. I do see a dividend of 9%. The industry only pays a 4.3% dividend, so it's a high dividend. Can they sustain that? There is no dividend payout ratio, which means they don't have any earnings. So there could be a problem with them keeping that. They may have to cut that dividend. You got to understand the cash flow. To really see if they can cut that dividend or keep that dividend, uh, sales year over year we're down 8.4 uh, percent. Industry down only 3.1. We you see earnings per share fell by 133, but the industry was down 317 percent. So that's a positive for BP. Current ratio one versus 1.28. That's okay. Debt to equity 89 versus 82 for the industry. Both of those are all right. Return on equity is a negative 3.4. Industry is a negative 20. Looking at the net profit margin of a negative one point two, industry is at a negative twenty eight point five, and receivable turnover is thirteen. Double the industry at six point eight, inventory turnover fourteen point two, versus ten point two. So that's a positive. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for BP twenty seven dollars seventy
2: one cents. Uh, of course, falling from that fifty two week high forty two dollars and seventy cents. Come up quite nicely off the 52-week low as well of $15.51. Now it's kind of interesting. I, I do see a, a note here at the, the top of the page uh, from the CEO says demand for our products has fallen further than ever. So I, I, I'm not surprised I, by that. What is that
1: note? Does it say the date? Uh, May 27th was oh. when that was. That's pretty recent.
2: It, it is pretty recent, yeah. but I, I'm sure he's kind of talking about it over the last couple of months, which makes sense. I mean, again, to have the economy shut down in the United <laughs> Kingdom across the whole world you know it's not surprising we haven't really seen anything like this but it does kind of concern me and I would want to know well how is demand going to start coming back before I bought a stock like this looking out to December 2021 though I do see estimated earnings per share of a dollar and 13 cents that would give us a target sell price at and thirty-one cents. so unfortunately still below that current level I do see the earnings start to rebound uh, in 2022 but my concern with energy is I just don't see oil prices jumping back to, you know, $100 a barrel or anything like that where they can be super profitable. I think there's going to be the sweet spot where it's, I think it's going to be hard for a lot of energy companies to, to make the profits that they were accustomed to many years ago.
1: And also, too, I mean, we did talk about we, we think more people are driving on, on summer vacation this year. But cruise lines, not nearly as many cruises, uh, not nearly as many flights in the air. So I, I don't know, I mean, is maybe a great deal at $15, $16 a share, but $27, I, I don't know. I, I just don't feel that comfortable with it, David. I, I'd, I'd rather look somewhere else, and uh, we, we only have one energy company in our portfolio, so I, I'm not too excited about the energy side. All righty? All right, thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. All right, David, thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Again, that's eight three three, two eight eight zero nine seven three. Gonna head up to Temecula and speak with John. John, you're here. That's my show, Brent and Chase. How can we help you?
0: Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for the show. Sure, thanks, man. Nice uh, just there. a quick comment on that Budweiser. You know, Three G bought Budweiser, um, and they're also the ones that crashed Craft, uh, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Heinz Craft, and they did the same thing with Ambev and. Uh, Sucking the lifeblood out and that's why the stock's been the earnings have been up and down on that yeah,
1: yeah. um
0: uh, hey i would talk about levi's if i could sure um i'm in i'm in at, at about a half a position at 11.50 um was looking to get it down at 11 and i missed it it's been on a roll up um what do you think on the go forward um
1: long term all And again, I saw some positive press on this. I want to say, oh, six, seven months ago, I think it was. And again, the company is Levi Strauss. Their symbol is L E V I. Uh, Let's take a look at the numbers here, see what we can uh, get from that. Now, we do see a good start here. P ratio 16.5. That is half the industry at 31.6. Price of sales 1.1 versus 1.5. Price of tangible book value 5 versus 15 for the industry. And price of cash flow 12. Versus 16.2, so the valuation ratios look very good. You get a 2% dividend, not too bad. Uh, they only use uh, 22%; there needs to pay that out. Now their sales are up 3% year over year. That's above the industry at 0.02. Earnings per share, however, fell year over year for the last 12 months by 14.5%, but that's still better than the ind- industry decline of 31.3. Balance sheet looks good. Current ratio 2.1 versus 1.9 for the industry. Debt to equity is only 64 versus 60 for the industry. Return on equity, very good here, 31 versus 12.9. Net profit margin for Levi Strauss, 6.9 above the industry at 4.7. Receivable turnover is 8.7 versus 8.8, and inventory turnover, 3. Versus 2.8. So I'm liking what I'm seeing here. What, what about the earnings? You know, sitting over there smiling. So I don't know if you got something <laughs> exciting or not.
2: Well, I was just thinking. That, you know, I, I I like the company. I mean, I I, I have durable jeans, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I only have one pair of jeans, and I had the pair of Levi's I had for 11 years, and unfortunately, they just ripped at the beginning of this year. Time to buy a new pair. <laughs> well, I, I actually went with uh, the Costco. There's the stretchy jeans. So I switched out of the Levi's. Uh-oh. So I'm, I I don't know. I moved on from from the brand there, but I I do like the company. Uh, I, I think. They, they have a good product there. Of course, right. it's pretty recognizable as well. But talking about the numbers, of course, I, I don't have much fashion sense, so let's <laughs> talk about the numbers here. Current price, $16.07. 52-week high, $23.74, and then that 52-week low is $9.09. 9 now, if you look out to November, 2021, I see estimated earnings per share on a gap basis, 81 cents. Unfortunately, that would give us a target sale price of $12.47. So again, just a little bit expensive right now. Um, I I am just a little bit, interested to see how these earnings progress. I, I think a lot of analysts are being a little bit cautious right now, but I, I do think these retail companies and these brands will, will do quite well because there's just so much money out there. Mm-hmm. I think people want to go out there and they want to shop. And once they have that that sense of the economy is coming back, I think everyone's going to, we've seen the savings rate be so high. Right. I think you're going to see these these estimates be revised upwards. So I guess what I would say here, John, is I wouldn't like it at 16, but I, I, I'd keep an eye
1: on it. Right. And, and, and John, I got to ask you, do you wear Levi jeans? I do, and do. Uh,
0: and they do have some quasi-stretchies, too, uh, for you, Chase. So <laughs> <laughs> if, if, yeah, well, if you're not going on a diet, you know, <laughs> you could get those uh, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually,
1: I, I wear seven jeans. I was talking about jeans, and I just like them. They last for a long time. They're very comfortable and so forth. But one yep. thing I do want to say, too, is that we do like businesses like this because they're a product, and whether you're, they're selling them in a department store or online or Amazon – it's the business. Unfortunately, Levi's, and again, I think they have a very good name behind them, which maybe gives them the premium. It's just not quite a buy for us. But we have a retailer in our portfolio that actually, uh, gosh, they had a high of, what, 70. We paid around 12. It's now, what, 16. I mean, they have a lot of room left to, to run. So I'd say, you know, keep looking around, John. There's other good companies like Levi that I think it get for a good price. But Levi, great company, but just kind of pricey now. All righty?
0: Yeah, sure. Can you see out to twenty twenty two on estimated earnings yet, or no?
2: Uh, I can. It looks like I I, I unfortunately moved on. It was slightly over a dollar, so it would give us a target sell price actually right around the sixteen twenty.
1: So yeah, it's a a dollar three. But when you go out that further like for November 21 we had four analysts now for November 22 only two analysts so your, your estimates going forward get a little bit shaky because you know both those guys could maybe want to short it or they, they hold in their portfolio who, who knows so we, we like to usually have at least five or six unfortunately Levi only had four but a lot better than the two sure. in November 22 okay John
0: sure thanks appreciate it
1: thanks for calling enjoy those Levi jeans <laughs> 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 Bye All righty, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973, again, that's 833-288-0973, let's head up to Orange County and speak with Keith, Keith, you're on Smart Investor, Brent Chase, how can we help you?
0: morning, gentlemen, I, I have kind of a generic question for you, and uh, it's about Apple. Mm-hmm. And I want to preface it. I, I, I've been in the tech industry for four decades now. I'm um, a tech writer. Uh, I was originally on the original staff of, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, Byte magazine.
1: Oh, yes, I do remember that. Yeah,
0: Byte was literally the first computer magazine around, and, and the name Byte uh, it was kind of a play on the term, uh, you know, byte size for uh, as far as uh, data size is concerned. The question I have is um, I am – befuddled after all these years in the industry as to why apple uh... is doing as well as it is in, in the stock market i don't understand why the stock is doing well this is a company that literally makes nothing <laughs> they don't own a manufacturing facility anywhere everything that they sell is manufactured by someone else a contractor in, in the primary one is hon Hai, which is uh, foxconn even the facility they have in Texas is only an assembly facility, and they don't even owe that as well. I, I don't understand. The stock went up uh, over nine points on Friday. and I, I don't understand the market reason why Apple does as well, considering we're, the geopolitical situation with China is at a point where we're nearly going to be at war. And if, if a war breaks out, China, Apple is going to be clobbered because 90% of what they sell is made in China.
1: Yes, yeah. And, and, you know, Keith, I, I think we need to hire you as our tech guy because we have felt the same way. And, and, and I, I, we do know why Apple is at the price. I mean, we, we sold out of it. Oh, what was it last year? I think we sold out of it. We had a very good profit on it. But I agree 100 percent with you because it makes no sense to beat these levels. And we do every once in a while. People say, oh, you sold it too soon. Well, it was fully valued when we sold it. But yeah. I think it, it does well because it's done well. Everybody likes the name. They feel good with it. So they just keep bidding this stock up, up and up. And I I can go over the numbers with your tech tech writer guy. But what you say is more conceptually, which is so true and, and very hard to find someone like yourself that says this because most people are just drinking the Kool-Aid.
2: And I, 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 I can't deny the fact that we liked Apple at a better price, but yeah. but it is too expensive now. I mean, and, and I think you're, you're right. They don't own that stuff, but they do own a lot of the intellectual property. They, they have the brand mm-hmm. that, that people just love. And I, I mean, I think that's why they do so well with the services. And, you know, I, I think just that brand concept, but, but you're completely right at these prices. It, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, I did just kind of look at our target sell price here. $241 is what we would come up with far below the current price of $331. So it has just run way too far. And I really do believe part of that is this whole theory that, that index investing is the way to go. It's kind of this circle that just keeps getting fed because what happens is as more money flows in the index, well, Apple and Microsoft are the two largest companies, and Amazon, well, now those companies continue to go up because they're taking the greater share of the dollars that are flowing into the S&P 500 index. Well, then I think it's self-serving in the fact that people see those going up and they say, well, no, no, I, I like Apple. I'm gonna buy <laughs> Apple too. So I think it's just this 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 issue that is going to come back and haunt some people because these companies are getting way too expensive. And at some point, people are gonna say, wait a minute, Apple's at, I don't know if it will, at $400 a share, got this huge market cap, well over $1 trillion, that makes no sense. And that's yeah. kind of what happened during the tech bust. I think it's just a short-term emotional decision that, that people see it and they like it. And I completely agree on China. I am scared for Apple if something happens right. in China. Well, and, and,
0: is their main investor still institutional? I mean, and why are they swallowing the Kool Aid? I don't. I don't. That's what I don't get. you're, you're right. Apple is a branding company. They're like um, Sony. A long time ago, had gotten into the situation where they really didn't make that much stuff themselves either. They just slapped their name on stuff that was made by their companies. Hitachi. Uh, there are numerous number of Japanese manufacturers over there that were willing to sell to Sony, but Sony put their name on it because Sony had the brand name. Uh, and and that's what Apple Apple is. They're not even a technology company. They buy tech from somebody else they don't invent anything in fact I, I i came up with a pet name for them in the magazines years ago i call them the great innovators i <laughs> capital no vaders uh, because they don't innovate anything they buy the tech
1: wow yeah and and, and that is true and and, and I, I would like to go with the numbers as well because for the listeners also so they understand what we're talking about because you know here's this guy keith saying bad things about it uh, Brent and Chase are saying bad things about us. I do want to go with the numbers and still conti- continue this conversation. because It's very important because Apple, it is a big company. They are a good company, but they are way overpriced. I mean, Apple, again, their symbol is uh, AAPL. PE ratio, 26. Now, that's below the industry at 34.7. We do see price of sales, 5.4. That's well above the industry at 2.9. Price of book value, 18.3. The industry is not material, but price of cash flow. Is 21 versus 13 so you are paying a higher valuation for Apple they have a 1% dividend they use 24% are needs to pay that out now sales year-over-year year, they're up 3.7% but the industry was up 6.6% earnings per share up 9.3 industry was down 17% and this is something that blows me away in the balance sheet for Apple current ratio 1.5 versus 1.8 that's okay I remember when we held Apple they had a very good debt to equity It's now 140 versus 83. Now, I know they do buy back stock and so forth, but Apple used to have a debt-to-equity of a thing like 20 or 40 maybe. It was very, very low. Return on equity, 62 versus 13. Net profit margin, 21.4 versus 8.5. Receivable turnover, 17.4, well above the initial 5.3. And inventory turnover, 40 versus 6. And, Chase, you kind of gave the earnings a little bit there. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to mention on that.
2: Yeah, already talked about the, the current price of 331.50. Uh That's actually pretty much a new 52-week high. The 52-week low, $185.77. And then I already did give away the uh, target sell price. September 2021, though, estimated earnings per share, $14.91. That's what it gives us the 241.54 as a target sell price. And, you know, it, it just, as we said, Keith, it, it's expensive. Um, I've been saying it for years now. I think a lot of people don't account for the big China risk that Apple has. I think they would be one of the first ones that would just be decimated if we did have serious issues with China. I mean, you talk about Xiaomi and uh, Huawei, and I think the government, the communist government in China would say, you know what, Apple, you either pick us or the United States. And uh, that would be a, a tough call for them to make because china is such a large market but i do believe they would choose the united states but they would lose so much market and that would crush their stock and i like i said i completely agree there
1: and also on the front page of the second section of the wall street journal today it says a chinese tech giant strikes back there's things going on with china huawei and so forth and apple could be the loser here uh and keith are you still are you retired now you're still writing for uh, tech companies
0: well, I'm 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 semi-retired. I still I still do some some writing. If if one of the magazines wants a a, a piece written, I've got a lot tons of connections overseas, so I, I, I play those and tend to work on articles that are are based on what's happening overseas with American companies. Um, incidentally, I think it is smart that Apple did announce. I don't know what they've done pre- proceed with it, but they were going to uh, open a manufacturing facility in India which means that they probably have uh, Terry Gao from Hanhei opening up a factory because again Apple doesn't own they don't own a single manufacturing facility so they're probably having Foxconn open something in India and I think that's smart because that's that's the next biggest uh, offshore uh, market for them
1: Yeah and, and Keith if you have some free time maybe we can share what that you've written on Apple we'd love to use it for one of our Post or one of our uh, newsletters that we do, because I, I'm sure you're aware you're one of the few people that I hear talk negatively on Apple. You, you watch CNBC, you watch any other type of financial show. Everybody's like rah 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 for Apple. You're the first <laughs> guy besides us that have said something that hey, I'm concerned here.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm you know I'm I'm a bit of a realist. I, I was a big Apple fan back in the, the 70s. I know Steve Wozniak very well. Uh, mm-hmm. I used to belong to the San uh, the Stanford University uh, Computer Club when I went to Berkeley. I was a target on uh, if I went on campus over at Stanford, but (laughs) um, I was a big fan, and I've owned Apple stock on and off. I'm more of an opportunist buyer. If I see them crash, uh, I'll buy and let it go up. But I'm not buying as a buyer investing in the company. I'm I'm just buying to make make some money. Right. And that's my realism when it comes to the company. When when uh, I look at. What they're doing in the marketplace, I think they're committing suicide with this overwhelming commitment to to China. I, I I see the the Communist Party looking at Apple as a way to pay retribution on the United States, and they'll damage them. They'll they'll ban them from China or whatever.
1: Right, right, and and also to real quick, we're just about the end of the show here. Is uh, if you're ever down in San Diego, let us know. We'll take you to lunch and talk more. All right, Keith.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll call your office sometime and and leave my uh, contact information.
1: All right, sounds good. All right, thank you. Have a good one. All right, Uh, thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purpose only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent chase we'll see. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week on the Smart Investing Show.
0: This program is sponsored and produced by Wilsey Asset Management. Opinions and offers expressed during this program are not those of Intercom Communications or 973 The Fan. KWFN FM and KWFN HD1 San Diego, Diego. a radio.com's point station. Hey Gang, Chrisello here inviting you to listen to Gwen and Chris from 3 to 7 p.m. weekdays on San Diego's number one sports station 973 The Fan.